Grace and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit who works comfort for us. In the name of Jesus, amen. So over these past few weeks, we have considered the evangelical call that men like Andrew and Philip have made. Andrew, he had seen John the Baptist point at Jesus and say, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and immediately he starts to follow after Jesus. And as Jesus turns around and says, Who are you seeking? Andrew says, Where are you staying? I want to be where you are. And Jesus says, Come and see. Later the next day, Jesus comes up to Philip and says, Follow me, and up what does Philip do? He follows after Jesus. And after seeing Jesus and hearing him speak, what does he do? He runs to his friend Nathaniel. And he says, Hey, we have seen him. We have seen this one we call the Messiah. And so, Philip goes to Nathanael and says, this is the one the scriptures have revealed. And when Nathanael says, what good can come from Nazareth? What good can come from this Jesus guy? Nathanael says, come and see. They brought them to Jesus. They pointed them to Jesus. Peter was brought to Jesus by Andrew. Nathanael was brought to Jesus by Philip. Seeing, they believed. We also considered how we often, left to ourselves, can be left in spiritual blindness, or we can't see. We must have our dead eyes open to see and to know who Jesus is. And this means that we need our sinful flesh and all its wrestling against God to be put to an end, and so the gospel must be proclaimed to us. It must be preached into our dead ears to soften our hard hearts because it's that proclamation that Jesus has died and risen for the forgiveness of our sins that makes us into believers. It's how we are called to see him. Tonight, we're going to consider our continual need to hear that same gospel. We need to hear it over and over and over again, just as we needed to hear the gospel of Jesus so that we're brought from unbelief to belief. We also need to hear it to remain in the belief. That's what St. Paul is speaking about in Ephesians 4 when he says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It means that we come before Jesus as babies, new to the faith, lacking knowledge, but the expectation is that we grow in stature and wisdom and faith. St. Paul goes on, he says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, or to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, 
makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We grow up into our head through the speaking of the truth in love. What Paul is saying is that Christians need to hear the word of God proclaimed because if they do not, their faith will stagnate. False teaching will overcome them and they can fall even into unbelief once again. The truth must be spoken in love. If not, then the truth will be lost to us and we'll fall back into the blindness and the darkness that we once dwelled in. This has become evident in the world today as we live in it. As we look around, it should be kind of clear that we're living in a time of massive apostasy. People have abandoned the church and faith and reason and ultimately the gospel that saves them. And why? Well, in part, they were poorly taught. Pastors stopped preaching the word with power and instead preferred to share encouraging and pithy anecdotes from the pulpit. Fathers and mothers didn't talk about Jesus at home. The hymnal took its place in the pew and stayed there and wasn't utilized around family rooms and dinner tables. And the catechism was something that the youth had to endure for confirmation class and then it's quickly tossed aside for more entertaining prospects. As we started feeding ourselves on a steady diet of media, our common language started being formed by what we see on TV rather than what has been spoken to us by God and his word. The word took a back seat and many fell away. Now we live in a culture where we're tossed about by every wind of doctrine and human cunning and the craftiness of the devil as God's word is spoken in love now that's considered dangerous or even hateful. And the truth is shunned, and those who preach it are often ignored or even punished for what they have to say. Yet the truth must be preached. From every pulpit, around every dinner table, in every family room, between every spouse, from every father and mother to every child, from every child to every father and mother, God's Christians must hear the word of God so that they can see Jesus. Because he has made himself known. He appeared in grace to reveal his saving work of God. And he did not leave the truth to remain obscure and hidden from our frail human hearts. Now he graciously came down from heaven to earth. He took our frail flesh, was born in that manger, and proclaimed himself to his people. He made himself to be so that we can see him, that we can know him. He entered into our history. He rightly defined what it means to be a human being so that we can see him, we can touch him, we can hear him, we can recognize him for who he is. And in all of that, he justified us by his grace. He who knew no sin became sin so that in him we might have the righteousness of God. He willingly suffers, he dies. That birth, that life, that death, that resurrection of Jesus are God's love letter to us human creatures. You must never doubt the affection that God has for you because of what he has given. Yet man can still be blind. Hearts can still be hardened to the word of God and very often people are content to ignore that word until it's too late. That's what God told Isaiah. 
way back when, when he was going to get his call to preach to the people of Jerusalem. In Isaiah 6, after Isaiah, Isaiah receives this calling from God, God from his altar says, Who shall I send? And Isaiah says, Here I am, send me. After being purified by God from the coals of the altar. But then God says, Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. And make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes that they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. And I said, how long, O Lord? And he said, until cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people and the land is a desolate waste and the Lord removes people far away and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain of it, it will be burned again like terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it's felled. And the holy seed is its stump. In other words, God is saying, warn these people of the wrath that's coming upon them for their idolatry. Tell them exactly what's going to take place. Call them to repentance. Understand, though, that their hearts have grown dull and they may not listen. They will remain in the sin that they have chosen, and it will not be until I have swept them away that they will see and they will understand. Yet I will even preserve a remnant among them. I may cut down the tree, but I'm going to leave the stump. And as I leave that stump, it will serve as a holy seed so that my faithfulness will remain upon the earth. So even... As we hear the word and often are content to ignore it, even as we uh, have the word, yet are often content to set it aside, God's faithfulness remains in his word. Very often people will hear, but they won't believe what they hear. But that doesn't mean the church is to stop proclaiming. Rather, it means that the church is to proclaim all the more in the hope that Jesus will be seen by some. That's what happens with Thomas, as we read today a few minutes ago, and the other disciples. The other disciples, they had seen Jesus. That first Easter morning had happened. They had heard the news of the empty tomb. They were all gathered together, and Jesus appears to them and says, Peace be with you. But the other disciples had seen. They knew Jesus was dead and buried. They'd seen him alive that he had risen from the bed, but Thomas wasn't with them. That evening of the first Easter, Thomas was not with his brothers. He was absent when Jesus made himself known, and because of that, Thomas was obstinate at hearing this news. His brothers say, we've seen the Lord. And he said, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Well, what happened to Thomas? Thomas had believed in Jesus. He was the one just a few chapters before that point who, who had said, hey, let us go with him that we may die with him. He was ready to march into Jerusalem with Jesus, knowing that there were people there intent to kill him. And he was ready to die along his side. But now, after all that zeal, he stubbornly will not trust in the testimony of the other disciples. It is unbelievable that Jesus could be alive. Jesus was crucified. 
His side was pierced. The water and the blood flowed from his side. The tomb was sealed. To Thomas, it was unbelievable. And yet, even in the midst of this, his brothers do not stop. They did not hear Thomas's objections to how this is unbelievable, this isn't rational, you guys have some sort of delusion. And they didn't question what they saw. Rather, they were persistent with their friend. They did not relent in telling him, we saw him, he's alive. And in this, they at least convinced Thomas to remain with them until the next Sunday. And then that's when Jesus shows up again. Thomas saw Jesus. And Jesus reached out and grabbed Thomas by the hand, and he drew it into his wound and into his pierced hands. And everything changes. Jesus tells Thomas, do not disbelieve, but believe. And here Thomas gives his great confession, one that he would bear every day for the rest of his life, my Lord and my God. You see, Thomas sees Jesus and confesses him to be his God. Here Thomas couldn't deny it any longer. His eyes didn't lie. Jesus showed up and brought Thomas from persistent unbelief to fervent and faithful belief. Jesus says to him, have you seen because you have, or have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This begs the question, how do we see Jesus without seeing him? How do we believe in someone we have not seen? And the answer is, we do see him. It's in his word. The word has been written as a good and orderly testimony of who Jesus is. And that's why John writes, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so what do we do? How do we come to know Jesus? How can we see him? How can we know him? How can we reach out and touch to him? Well, hearken to his word. Listen. Read. Grow up into the fullness of Christ. This is how we avoid being tossed about by every wind and wave of doctrine that happens to come upon us. As we stand upon the testimony of Christ and gather with the fellowship of other believers to hear his word, Jesus promises to show up for us. He says, for where there are two or three gathered in my name, there I am among them. And he says, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so where can we see Jesus? Wherever forgiven sinners gathered around the word, wherever the gospel is preached in its fullness, wherever the law stirs up the conscience and drives us out of our blind security, wherever the body and the blood of Jesus are lifted up and consumed as a proclamation of the Lord's death for sinners, there he is. He is seen through the eyes of the faithful as the body grows up into the head. His presence is known through his promises, and whenever that happens, people will hear and believe. Unbelievers will become believers. Those who do not believe, well, they will be called to believe. 
And those who do believe will be strengthened in their faith. Because Jesus is that light that shines into the darkness. The darkness does not overcome it. That light must shine. And the word made flesh must be taught. It must be proclaimed. Our ears must hear lest our hearts become dull and we find ourselves unable to believe. And so we hear the word. And Jesus does the rest. Just as Jesus grabs Thomas by the hand, he can grab hold of us. He can soften hearts. He can open the eyes of the blind. He can shine in the darkness. And he will perfect every good work in the midst of his church. And just as God told Isaiah that the the people wouldn't listen until it was too late, he also promises Isaiah at the end of the book, And so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I propose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God's word will strengthen faith. God's word will call unbelievers to faith. Jesus will succeed in opening our blind eyes so that we can see him and know him by faith. And we can live just as St. Peter says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your divine word. And though we have not seen Jesus with our bare eyes, you have caused us to see him and know him by faith and to believe in him as our precious Lord and Savior come from heaven to earth. Cause your word to be preached so that we continue to grow up into him who has saved us and allow those who are blinded to him to see and believe. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in the true faith, even unto life everlasting. In the name of Jesus, amen.